up, everybody? How you doing? We are in part six of a two-week series on prayer. We started this series six weeks ago with the intention of it being a two-week series. Then we continued it to three weeks. Then Stephen Wesley, who was here two weeks ago, essentially preached right in line with what we were talking about. Then John Norman last week talked about the realignment prayer of Psalm 23. And then this week, I'm praying, God, what do you want me to speak on? And he's like, prayer. So we're in week six of a two-part series that will probably continue into next week. So um, this has been so good. I don't know if it's been good for you. It has been so good for me. And um, we're going to conclude this prayer series Good Friday, which is not this coming Friday, but next Friday. We have a prayer and worship night right here at 7 p.m. We're going to pray together. We're going to worship together. It's going to be an awesome time. Do not miss it. Good Friday, which is on Good Friday at 7 p.m. right here. We have childcare. We have coffee. We have tea. You have no excuses. Come on, somebody. So, so let's pray. It's going to be a good time. Hey, I want to give a couple updates um, here today. Update number one is, as you know, Ukraine. Um, there is a lot going on in Ukraine right now. And as a church, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. How can we be the hands and feet of Jesus? I just got to tell you, I don't like our church giving to organizations that we don't know or people that we're not connected with because I just don't know that we can trust that the money's going to get used the right way or whatever it may be. And, um, and so here's what we have been doing as a church. We support a church in Germany. Your generosity supports a church in Germany that um, has now been taking in Ukrainian refugees into their church. Um, there are five families that are being housed by this church in Germany. The church is like 100, 200 people, and they're, they're taking care of five Ukrainian families right now, and they said they're, you know, more are coming. And so they're coming in, we're housing them, they're feeding them, they're taking care of them. They're, they're um, you know, leading them to Jesus. It's absolutely amazing. And so your generosity, as we give to Germany, um, we are also taking care of refugees that are coming through. That's not the only thing we're going to do as a church, but that's kind of the beginning of what's been going on in our care for the, the uh, humanitarian crisis that has arisen from this. This thing's not going to be over in a day or two or three. There's going to be ongoing need. And so I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who gives because your giving is directly making a difference in people's lives. And um, it's so, so, so huge. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so that is what's going on in Ukraine. I also want to give you an update on kind of some stuff that's been burning in my heart for several years now. I told the church about it back in the fall, and um, I want to kind of update you on it right now. But um, uh, the Bible says, train up a child in the way they shall go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. And I have to say, I'm about to step in some, some stuff this morning, and I'm sorry, but, um, but there is a massive battle going on right now in how children should be trained up. And uh, in this room today, there are people who identify as Democrats, people who identify as Republicans, and people who identify as sane, okay? So um, <laughs> I'm one of those sane people. 
Um, but there are people who identify as Democrats, people who identify as Republicans, people who identify as having a brain. And, um, and you, whatever team you play for, whatever team you fight for, okay, I'm about to say something, and I'm sorry, please do not label me a political person here today by, by me saying this, but there's a bill in Florida that has been labeled the don't say gay bill, okay? There's actually, if you read the bill, there's actually nothing in the bill about don't say gay. So the media has been portraying this as a don't say gay bill, and and people have been, activists have been responding by putting up billboards in the state of Florida that say gay, gay, gay all over it and, and whatever. And, and the thing is, we're going to resist the governor who's saying we're not allowed to say gay. That's not what the bill is actually about. The bill is about parental rights in education. Let me explain that just for a second. Um, uh, this is a theological truth here, right, that I'm about to say. A parent is the pastor of their child. A parent is the pastor of their child. I am the pastor to Story and Scout. We have kids pastors in this church. They are purely there to supplement you. You are the pastor of your child. And when it comes to math, science, history, I love that the school teaches my kids that because I am not that, okay? But the school has no business telling my six-year-old about their view of gender or sexuality or any, anything like that. Um, it is my job as a parent to pastor my kid. And so what this bill does is it says from kindergarten to third grade, you are not allowed to teach in class about gender or uh, sexuality or anything like that. It does not prevent a kid from coming in and saying whatever they want to say. It does not prevent, you know, uh, parents from teaching their kids whatever they want. What it prevents is a teacher who wants to take on an activism hat um, indoctrinating my six-year-old on whatever their personal view of gender and sexuality is. Um, so if you are one of those Democrats who you wear you know, the Democrat jersey, this is not a bill as a Christian that I would be opposing as a Christian. Um, this is not a thing that I would be fighting against as a Christian because what this bill does is protect children and allow the parent to be the pastor of their child. And I don't see how we can defend, no, the state should be teaching them about gender and sexuality. And like, I just don't see why we would fall on that sword. Is everyone tracking with me? Um, so here's what's happened. In response to this, a bunch of employees at Disney um, got really angry and they staged a walkout or you know, they, they protested against Disney because they felt like Disney should be saying more against this Florida bill. So they did that, and Disney, in response, has committed to we're going to create more content that teaches about the stuff that they're not allowed to teach in schools now. Um, literally, I, 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 hate, I hate this, but there was a private closed-door meeting that got leaked where one of the executives at Disney said, we're going to throw, this is word for word, we're going to throw queerness in everything that we possibly can, and no one's going to stop us. Okay, so this is what's said. Listen, I am not against people. I am not against people who, who feel a certain way or whatever. We talked about this several weeks ago, right? 
Our church is gonna be loving, our arms are gonna be open. We're not gonna throw out truth in the process. Are you tracking with me? So we're gonna... So, so that said, okay, so the school is saying we're not, okay, legally now the school is not allowed to teach in Florida, but the company is now saying, well, we're going to put it in your home on Disney Plus, and we're going to put it in your face on Instagram, and we're going to put it, this is what we're going to do. And um, I just feel this burden from God, train up a child in the way they shall go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. If the church goes quiet, listen. Um, I grew up in the 90s where like Disney was boycotted by the church. We're just going to boycott Disney. If you want to boycott Disney, that's great. Totally cool. Do that if you want. But I think that that's playing defense and not offense. I think that what that is doing is saying, we're not going to give you our money because, you know, we're whatever. Okay, but how about instead of just withholding our money from Disney, we put money into the creation of stuff that teaches people about God and Jesus and the love of God and, and kindness. I'm not talking about being mean to anybody. I'm not talking about being nasty to anybody. I'm just talking about how about my six-year-old doesn't get told. She's six. Like, she doesn't need to be told about sex at all at six years old. She, she doesn't need to be told. Like, that's, that's psycho. And when she is told about sex, it's not coming from me. It's coming from her mom. <laughs> If we had had boys, it would be my fault. It would be my responsibility. But we had girls, so it's all on you. Um, <laughs> what I teach her is stay away from boys, okay? What mom teaches her is all the other stuff, right? Um, she came home the other day and told us she had a boyfriend, and I said, no, you do not, in Jesus' name. You do not have a boyfriend. The tornado drill did it. He was scared. So I held his hand, and I said, Story, you will not date a man who is scared. <laughs> and Kenzie's like, but you're scared. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> um, <sighs> um, anyways, I say all that to say, I believe the Bible is going to set the world straight, okay? Both in how we love and care for people and in what we teach truth, right? What is truth? And I say that to say, I believe that the church needs to get louder about a couple things, okay? Why does the church exist? If you wanna write this down, you can. If not, I mean, you don't have to be a Christian if you don't want to. So, um, <laughs> um, the church exists for three things. The church exists primarily to worship Jesus, okay? Not to worship you. Not to do life coaching from the stage. I'm all for life coaching. I think it's great, but that's not what the church exists for. We don't exist on Sunday morning for me to just coach you in your life and whatever. We, we exist primarily to worship Jesus. Second of all, we exist to make and teach and equip disciples. Go into all the world and make disciples, right? We, we exist to make disciples. And thirdly, we exist to change the world. We do it in that order. We worship Jesus and because our worship is set in order and we're worshiping the right thing, we're able to go into all the world and make disciples. And because we're making disciples, we will change the world. That is the, that is the church that will change the world. And so three things. So uh, several years ago, I had this nagging feeling that we needed as a church to, to create a show that teaches kids the Bible, okay? I had this nagging feeling that we need to create a show that teaches kids the Bible, when I say teaches kids the Bible, I'm not talking about 
you know, uh, about directly punching back at Disney. I think that's ridiculous. I think, I, think um, uh, I heard a pastor say one time, the church doesn't need to argue over crooked sticks. It needs to lay a straight one down, right? <laughs> lay, down, lay down truth and everything else looks crooked. You're tracking with me. And so instead of arguing, that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong, the church needs to be going, this is right. You're tracking with me. So I want to, I want to, teach, I want to do a show that teaches kids the Bible. That's going to be super fun. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to have a lot of fun. It's going to teach kids about God. And so um, I, think it's, I think it's going to be great. Several years ago, I had this feeling we needed to create the show that teaches kids the Bible because the Bible says go into all the world and make disciples. There's a huge part of the world I think the church is massively missing out on, and I, I could not feel more, um, I feel more now after the news of the last two weeks, I feel like God's like, the timing of what I gave you is now, okay? So um, go into all the world and make disciples. A kid spends five to seven hours on a screen every single day. Five to seven hours on a screen every single day. Now here's the thing, here's how we used to consume media, okay? This is how people used to watch TV with their families. Um, we have a picture here in a second, here we go. This is how people used to consume media. This is how people consume media now. Okay? Under a blanket, iPhone this close to their face, five to seven hours on the screen. If we think that we're going to lead people to Jesus in 90 minutes on a Sunday morning in kids' church, and that's it, especially while the schools are fighting over what their kids, what we should or shouldn't teach kids, like kids are to be protected, they're to be pastored, they're to be cared for, right? They're to be taught truth. And so I just feel like we're massively missing out. I want to put this verse over top of this image, and I want it to sear into your spirit today. Go into all the world and make disciples. There's a huge part of the world that we're not going into as a church, and I don't just mean as LifeCo, I mean as the church, okay? It's been 30 years, and, and VeggieTales is still the number one Christian TV show. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Why has nothing come along that's, that's, that's modern, that's fresh? Are you tracking with me? I love VeggieTales. I grew up watching VeggieTales. It's amazing. Why has nothing come along for this generation that teaches the Bible, right? And so what are we doing as a church? We are gonna create a show that teaches kids the Bible. We're gonna create a show that teaches kids the Bible. The show is um, God started pulling some pieces together in 20, uh, 2020, 2021. I was sitting with a group of people and I said, it was 2021, I was sitting with a group of people and I was saying, guys, I really feel like God wants us to do this show to teach kids the Bible. And they said, well, what would it take to do that? And I said, there's a friend of mine, his name's Adam Bush, and he's done a kid's show before. I feel like we need someone like him to help us get this thing started. No joke, hadn't talked to him in months, my phone rang and it was Adam Bush. I pick up the phone and he says, hey, my job is changing a little bit at the church. I'm really passionate about creating content that teaches kids the Bible. And if you have any, any kind of work that you wanna do in that vein, I'm happy to help and I wanna be a part and I, want, I, I just want you to know that I'm available. I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to give you a call, okay? So, um, amazing. Anyone watch a Gospel Bill show growing up? Gospel Bill, 80s. If you got saved in the last 10 years, you would not even know what Gospel Bill is. But if you're one of these people who like was in 80s and 90s church, Gospel Bill, the Gospel Bill show was a Christian kids TV show his son-in-law, his name's Andrew Dale. Andrew Dale 
um, is working on this project now as well. So Adam Bush, Andrew Dale, me, Kenzie, we're sitting, we're writing the show. Phase number two, which is coming very soon, is we wanna get our entire church involved however you want to be involved, right? Uh, supporting through prayer, supporting through giving, supporting through your gifts, your talents. We want this show to come out of our church, right? Um, I believe that everything powerful and effective is gonna come out of the local church. Um, if you look at all of the artists through history, all the Christian artists, the ones who are still great people and they're thriving and their families are doing good, they all are in local church. The ones who fell and are away or whatever, they're not connected to local church. So like, I believe in local church and I want this show to come out of our church. I want this show to help teach kids the Bible because discipleship is about teaching and baptizing, okay? So we're gonna create a show that teaches kids the Bible. I'm gonna show you a little bit of concept art. Here's some concept art you might have already seen. None of, nothing about this is still the way the show is. Okay, it's been rewritten like 500 times, but this is some concept art. Here's another piece of concept art from an artist in our church. So it's gonna be an animated kids TV show, teach them the Bible. And as the show is taking shape, I am in love with what God is pulling together. And so it's gonna be really awesome. Okay, now I'm gonna give you a little bit of sticker shock, okay? Um, I heard the other day that there's, there's a company that's now investing $100 million into creating two shows for kids. Okay, it's not a Christian show, it's just kind of in response to what Disney said. They're just gonna create these two shows, and it's $100 million. Anyone watch The Chosen? Okay, $20 million per episode it costs, okay? There are some people who say that money could have been used for the poor. That money should have been used for the poor. I'm gonna say something that's gonna hurt, okay? Um, the only guy who said that in the Bible is Judas. <laughs> yeah, he said that money could have been used on the poor. And guess what, like a couple verses later, he's selling Jesus for money. So I think there's two ways money can have your heart. You either have money and you are a slave to money or you don't have money and you're a slave to money, right? The best way to be is to just serve God and not money. Okay, you feeling good? Um, <laughs> that money could have been used for the poor. And you know what that was in reference to? A woman breaking an alabaster box, which was a year's worth of wages and pouring it on the feet of Jesus. In other words, a church that gives extravagantly to the worship of Jesus. That's a church God can bless. A Judas church, well, that money could have been used by the poor. Well, meanwhile, you're stealing from the offering plate. All right, are you guys feeling good? Okay. We're not, our show doesn't cost $100 million. Our show doesn't cost $20 million an episode, but it is gonna cost some money. We're talking $500,000 for us to get all the stuff going to get this show going. We're not just gonna do this show, we're gonna create a youth show that teaches youth the Bible and we're gonna create some courses because I think adults nowadays, they're, they're giving their life to Jesus. Look at Pastor Scott, look at him looking all good. We're gonna create some courses and we're gonna invest in this. Um, if you hate kids or you hate the Bible, you do not have to give to this. But if you love Jesus, if you love kids, and if you wanna see like us 
invest in Christian media to teach people about the Bible, I would ask you to be a part of giving to this project. $500,000, um, and uh, um, you can give at lifeco.church slash give. Select the vision tab. Everything you give in vision over the next year is going towards the creation of this kids show, a youth show, and courses, media to teach the Bible. We are not gonna hide in the media space, but the church is gonna go loud and boldly into the media space. Come on, somebody. Somebody say amen. All right. Okay, great. I'm gonna preach to you a 15-minute message on prayer, okay? I wanna read Isaiah 40 and verse 27 to 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, O speak, uh, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for the word of God. The word of God and the spirit of God are what is going to set our world straight. And God, uh, what I love about that is you say truth in love. You never separate truth from love. And so God, I thank you that you can make a church that is bold about truth and yet bold about love in the way we love people and the way we serve people. Help us today to have a chiropractic adjustment in truth, that we would come under your truth. In Jesus' name, come on. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Um, so 2020 was not everyone's favorite year, am I right? 2021 was also not everyone's favorite year, am I right? So 2022 began with me going, this is gonna be a great year. I'm super pumped. The church feels healthy, everything feels great. 2022, we're working on a kid show to teach kids the Bible. We're doing this, we're doing this. It's gonna be awesome, it's gonna be incredible, it's gonna be amazing. And um, I get one or two weeks into 2022 and I, it begins with a trip to the hospital, okay? Um, so me taking a selfie after being drugged up in the ER. Um, so it begins by me going to the hospital. Let me tell you what happened. I preached on a Sunday morning. I went home. I was sitting, resting, hanging out with the girls. My heart rate jumped up to 160, 170, stayed there. That's not supposed to happen, okay? Stayed there. Um, I'm like, I do not feel good. I, I was having pain. I was like, I wasn't feeling good. I was feeling really off. I'm like, something's not right. My wife's a nurse, so my wife, my wife is like, hey, you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. I just, I just need a minute to rest. And so I drank water, not alcohol. Um, I drank and I, and, I, and I rested and I just, I was relaxing and I was like, okay, God, bring this, you know, bring this down. And it, my heart just didn't come down. So later on in the day, it was coming down a little bit. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna go to bed and it's gonna be fine. Didn't sleep at all that night, in pain, kept waking up. My heart was jumping. So in the morning I said, babe, Let's go to the hospital. We go to the hospital, and I'm expecting, the waiting room is packed. So I'm expecting when I get into the waiting room that I'm gonna have to sit there for hours and hours and hours because there's tons of other people sitting out there. And um, I get there, they do an EKG on my heart, and they say, you need to come back right now, like immediately. 
So now I'm even more nervous because I'm like, I'm glad that I'm being seen right away, but the fact that I just skipped the guy out here whose like arm is broken in the waiting room or whatever, I'm like, this is not good. So we get back, the doctors all flood in, they're taking my blood, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're, they're, you know, they're scanning this, they're scanning that, they're doing all kinds of stuff in the hospital. And, um, and my blood work's coming back and whatever, and, and they're saying, you're, you're having crazy symptoms but we can't, we don't understand in your blood work, we don't understand what's going on. Your blood work's totally fine. And your, you know, this is fine and that's fine. And your heart, you know, your scan or whatever looked fine. So we don't understand what's going on. So they're doing a bunch of tests. They're doing a bunch of stuff. I feel like, I literally felt like I was dying. Like that's how I felt. And um, uh, I know I can be a little bit dramatic. So like when I have a cold, I can be like, I, I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> but, um, but like I'm in the hospital, like this is not okay, right? So I go home, they, they essentially say, hey, yes, you're having crazy symptoms, but you're gonna live, go home, which I hate. You know, when you go to the hospital and then they're like, yeah, you're dying, but go home and die, right? It's like, that's how it felt. And I was like, okay, so I went home super nervous, super like worked up. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Um, so I go to the cardiologist, they run a bunch of extra tests, Everywhere I go, they're taking my blood. I cannot stand needles. I hate needles. They're taking my blood everywhere I go. They're like, do you pass out when you give blood? And I'm like, yes, but not today in Jesus' name. And you know, they're, they're, taking, they're taking my blood. They're doing this. They're running tests. They're doing all this kinds of crazy stuff. I go to a primary care doctor a month later because I keep having these symptoms. I keep, I'm out, I'm out at the park with my girls and all of a sudden I feel like I'm gonna pass out my, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, what is going on? I feel horrible. And um, all this stuff keeps happening. I go to a primary care, primary care doctor. This happens over the course of like six, eight weeks of just thing after thing after thing. And at the end of all these tests and at the end of all this stuff, one doctor pulled up a chair and sat down in front of me, folded his arms and said, have you been under stress recently? And I'm like, no, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and if you know anything about me and Kenzie, our private life, our personal life, whatever, like my parents are going through the craziest season of life. Like my, my family is shattered. It's crazy. It's messy right now. Um, we, we become the pastors of the church in March 2020. And the day we take over the church is the day that COVID shuts everything down. And so we're making the announcement that Kenzie and I are gonna be leading the church and COVID shuts everything down. Congratulations, you're the new pastors of the church. Go into lockdown, right? Then we go into lockdown and we're trying to do church, online church. Online church is awful. <laughs> I hate it. All of you who are watching online right now, stop. Come back to church. Unless you can't, then God bless you. We love you. Um, but online church is awful. The Bible says don't forsake the gathering together of believers. People come back and they're like, yeah, I mean, we were watching online, but the worship's just not the same. I'm like, yeah, duh. Because the Bible says that where two or more are gathered, there I am. And when you were watching church at home, you were not gathered, okay? You were in the kitchen cooking breakfast and your husband was on the toilet and your kids were upstairs. You were not, you were in your PJs, you were not worshiping. 
<laughs> online church was awful. So, so we're trying to lead a church, and it's an online church, and it was horrible. Then we got people posted on Facebook. Um, I want to go to a real church that resists government tyranny and reopens now. And meanwhile, we have other people on the other side who are saying, I can't believe that some Christians are against wisdom and whatever. And like, so like you did this to us, okay? This like stress, you did this to us. And then, and then when we do reopen, we've got some people saying, I can't believe, I got, literally got a Google review where someone was like, I can't believe that the pastor had a mask on in the front of the, uh, front of the thing. He lacks total faith in, in whatever. And then meanwhile, we have other people in the church saying, I'm leaving the church because you don't require every single human being and their cousin to wear a mask in the thing. So it's like over here and over here. And like, you did this to us. We're being torn back and forth, right? Um, then we go through one of the toughest seasons for our nation of um, George Floyd, right? And people who are, who are saying, you know, you shouldn't say this and you should say this. And why didn't you say more about this? And why didn't you say, and why did you say it that way? And why did you, and it's like, guys, I'm just trying to be truthful to God's word. I'm just trying to pastor. It was crazy. Okay. Absolutely crazy. Um, uh, so then, so then we, so then we go to, you know, towards the end of the year, we have the most contentious election cycle in my life, right. That I can think of. Some of you are like, well, you haven't lived long enough, but it was, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. And then you've got the, it was stolen, it wasn't stolen. It was this, it wasn't that. Then you got, then you got January 6th. You didn't call it an insurrection or you did, you did call it. It's like, this is why I'm in the hospital, y'all. Cause you guys are freaking psycho. Like, The, 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 the Bible says in where there is unity, God commands a blessing. And some of you are like, yeah, I totally agree. Kick out all the people who don't agree with me. <laughs> That's not how unity works. My wife and I got a new bed and we had to pick a new comforter for our bed. Okay. I want white, she wants off-white, okay? We are not in unity with one another, but we get in the same bed at the end of the day, and it's off-white. <laughs> and where there is unity, God commands a blessing. And our bed is blessed because... It's off-white. Like, unity is not everyone in the church agrees with everything I say and everything I do. So you guys freaking tore us to pieces. It really wasn't you guys. It was all the people who are at other churches now, but that's okay. We'll talk about that another time. We'll talk about that another time. Um, uh, <laughs> um, so, so, so then we get into 2021, and what happens to us in 2021? Okay, we're leading the church, we're trying to be faithful, we're trying to be whatever, and then people, even on our own team, people who are like serving alongside of us are starting to like draw their weapons on us. Say stuff about us that's not true, do stuff, like sow division. The Bible says there's seven things the Lord hates. Okay, sixth thing he hates, seventh that he detests. You know what he detests? 
Those who sow discord. Okay, so guess what? It is possible to disagree and not sow discord, right? So we got people on our own team that are starting to sow discord and starting to sow division. And like, I just, I, at the beginning of 2022, I was like, praise God, all that's over, all that's done. And then I landed at the hospital. And you know what I think? Same as working out. When you go to the gym and you lift weights, your strength is good until you reach what's called failure in your set. And when you fail, you've run out of the end of your strength. Are you tracking with me? So what happened to us was two years of we're going, this is good, God's good, God's faithful, even in the craziness. And at the end of that season, my strength completely ran out. I'm done. I got no strength for anything. I'm yelling at my girls at home. I'm yelling at my wife. Things are not good. We're fighting. We're, and I'm like, what is this? What is happening here? I didn't even have the strength to be there for my daughters. Didn't even have the strength. I had just completely collapsed. Now, anyone ever been in a place? Now, now, now the doctors are saying this is what's called a panic attack. Anyone had a panic attack before? Um, I used to think panic attack, oh, that's so silly. That's so ridiculous. Like, people just need to stop panicking. No. No. If people could just stop panicking, no one would have panic attacks. So, like, just stop. Okay, great. I would love to stop right now. Could you please tell me how to stop right now? Because if I knew how to stop, I would stop. So I say all this to say, I got to a place where my strength had completely failed. So um, I, I told our elders, I told some of our pastors on our team, this is where I am right now. And um, here's what I believe, okay? If you work for UPS, just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean that you stop delivering packages, okay? Um, if you are a parent, just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean that you stop parenting your children, right? Um, if you are a pastor, just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean that you stop building church, that you stop leading people to Jesus, that you stop... So I had a conviction, I can't stop doing what God's called me to do. I, I can't do that, but I have to do something here. I need renewed strength or I'm not gonna make it. And so I, I talked to a Christian therapist and this Christian therapist I'm expecting is gonna tell me, you know, you need to get this treatment, you need to get this thing, this doctor needs to do this thing on you and this thing needs to happen and all this. You know what the, you know what the lady said to me? She said, um, Kyle, your goal is not to feel better right now. Your goal is to treat yourself like someone you are responsible for taking care of. I'm gonna say that again. Your goal as a, as a human being is not just to feel better right now. Your goal is to treat yourself like someone you are responsible for taking care of. In other words, don't wake up in the morning and go, I still feel bad, I still feel bad, I still feel bad. Wake up in the morning and go, I probably should eat a good meal. I probably should go to bed on time and probably should um, have good conversations with my wife today that are healthy and, and healing, right? I should probably do that. Should probably, um, she, she set me on this path and she said, Kyle, I can tell you all the natural therapy and all the stuff. If you don't do the spiritual stuff, you will be right back here again over and over and over. So here's what the spiritual stuff was. Anyone ever heard of Sozo before? Okay, Sozo is a prayer ministry where you go and you pray through a bunch of stuff and I went, I went and did a two-hour Sozo session where I yelled at God about every person that had hurt me and wounded me and whatever, and I forgave them. I thought I had forgiven them. 
I hadn't forgiven them. I forgave them. I prayed. I said, God, I need you to, I need you to clean this out of my life. She said, it's almost like you have um, beach balls that you're, that you're holding under the water. And as soon as the season ended, your, t- your arms got tired and they wore out. And now they're popping up in your life. It's like your body is demanding. You must now deal with this. I'm not saying this just to talk about me this morning. I'm saying this because I know that there are people in this room who are there and have been there. You have been suppressing stuff in your life that now is just popping up. Someone who hurt you, someone who wounded you, someone, some, someone said something to you, you were tired, you were worn out, you didn't have the strength anymore, and now all of a sudden stuff is popping up in your life. And what she said is, you have to learn how to go to God with this stuff and not be living in the future of what if or what's gonna happen if, but learn how to be present with God. We talk about God's presence being with us, but sometimes we are not present with God. What I mean by that is our prayer list is in 2025. Our prayer list is not, God, I am with you right now, I am with you. And I'm here in your presence and I'm in your, there's a skill that we have to learn and it's called waiting on the Lord. I wanna read this verse to you again in Isaiah, okay? Isaiah, let me, let me just explain what this is. Isaiah 40, uh, 27 through 31 and 41 through 16 is a part of a Jewish half-wrath, okay? Um, uh, sorry, haftarah is what it's called. And haftarah is a song that they would sing in worship services. So, you know, we're singing this morning. This is a song that they would sing in worship services. And they take selected scripture readings and they make it their, their prayer, their chant, their praise to God, Okay. And in this Haftarah, there are three sections. Section number one is this section that we just read, which is Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. And this is talking about the divine support to the weary. This is about if you're weary, if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're broken, if you're brokenhearted, the Lord will renew your strength. That's what section number one is about. Section number two is Isaiah 41, 1 through 7. And um, this is about the fear of the nations. Now, I'll explain this in a second and why this makes sense. Section number three is Isaiah 41, 8 through 16. And this is about God's guarantee of victory and salvation in my life. Okay, what this song does altogether, what this prophecy does altogether, is it starts by saying, I'm in total, utter despair. I'm in total, utter despair. Decay. I'm in total, utter, I've got no strength. Anyone been there before? I've got no strength. Anyone there right now? Come on, just be honest with me. I'm there right now. I've got no strength. I'm worn out. I'm tired. I've got no strength. That's where this song begins. In section one, it talks about the righteous renewing their strength. Okay? Section number two talks about the enemies that have come after the righteous. Now, all of a sudden, starting to get afraid as they see the people of God growing new strength, they thought they had taken you out, they thought they had uh, struck you down, they thought they had stifled the church, they thought they had held the church down, they thought they had held Israel down, but now as Israel is regaining its strength, the nations that have come against Israel are going, "Uh uh-oh, I'm afraid. I look at them as they regain strength, right? And section three, We go from total despair in section one to total and utter victory in section three. And what I want to tell you right now in your life is 
Um, as you renew your strength, and I'm gonna tell you, this is your responsibility to renew your strength. God's gonna do it, but you have a part to play in it. As you renew your strength, the enemies, I'm not talking about people in your life, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the stuff that has tried to take you down. Fear, anger, bitterness, all that stuff starts to get nervous because we thought we had taken him down. We thought we had taken her down, but look, they're gaining a new strength. And then as that strength grows, you're going to heaven. Um, <laughs> all of you else, it's questionable, okay? Um, um, uh, as we regain our strength and as our enemies start to shake in their boots, God says, at the end of this thing, you will rejoice in the Lord. We go from the beginning, which is total and utter despair, to the end, which is total joy in Christ Jesus. So we, we, we go on this journey. I want to teach you how to go on that journey very quickly this morning. This is not hard. Uh, it's not complicated, but it's not easy, okay? It's not complicated, but it's not easy. In other words, this is not a complicated message, but you actually have to do it, okay? Isaiah 40, 27 says this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? When you're tired, when you're broken, when you're worn out, you start to say stuff like, God doesn't see me. God doesn't care. God doesn't know what I'm going through. God's not answering my prayer. You know, when I'm in the hospital, my, I'm going, I need to be healed right now, right this second, immediately. And if I'm not healed right now, right this second, immediately, God doesn't see me. He doesn't care. He doesn't know. You know what? He knows the real healing I need. And so I didn't just jump out of the hospital bed, but I had to go on a journey of healing. And you know what? God was my healer. It's, it's so, so, but when you're in the moment, you're going, God doesn't see me, God doesn't know, God doesn't care. That is a lie from the enemy, that God doesn't see, that God doesn't know, that God doesn't care, okay? Here's what he says. He says, why do you say, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Now we're gonna answer the lie with the truth. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God? the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. This is the truth to the lie that you believe, that God doesn't see me, God doesn't know, God doesn't care. The truth of the matter is that his understanding is unsearchable. In other words, when I'm praying in the hospital bed, God, why don't you see me? God, why don't you care? The truth is that God knew what was going on in me better than I knew what was going on in me. God knows what's going on in you better than you know what's going on in you. God's wisdom and his knowledge is unsearchable. His ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. So that lie that you keep saying, God doesn't see, God doesn't know, God doesn't care, we need to start partnering with the truth, which is God is so much smarter than me. God is, his, his ways, he is his ways are unsearchable. He's so much smarter. He's so much wiser. He, he knows me better than I know me. And then it says this. It says in here, it says, God is the everlasting God. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't faint. God does not grow weary. God does not faint. Um, uh, 
you know, what this is saying is if you're tired and you're worn out and you're stressed out and you're broken and you're, and you're in a low place, I don't have the strength, I can't do this anymore, I can't go on anymore. You know when you're hungry, you go to the fridge because that's where food is, right? Um, or, or the pantry because that's where food is. When you're tired and worn out and broken, you gotta know who the source of strength is. And you have to go to God. You can't just say, I'm tired and worn out. Let me do some natural things to try to make myself better. Yeah, you should sleep, you should eat well, you should exercise, you should take care of your body. But man, if you don't go to God as your source, you will never regain the strength that you, that you need. God is my source, right? He is the source of strength. He doesn't faint, he doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Come on, somebody here today who's tired and worn out, I wanna tell you today, he gives power to the faint, and he increases your strength if you're weary. Come on, God, that's what God wants to do in your life right now. I'm tired, I've been serving, I've been giving, I've been faithful, but I'm worn out and I'm tired. God is gonna give you a new strength, a new grace, a new wind, a fresh wind. I remember I used to spend the night over at the Ellis house all the time, okay? The Ellis's were like my, my friends growing up in school and, and I would go over to the Ellis house and we would always stay up really late at night and there was always a point in the night where someone would say, I think I just hit my second wind. And that always meant we were gonna be up for several more hours. Right when you think I'm worn out and I can't do this anymore and I can't, God is gonna be a second wind to you. He's gonna give you new strength. He's gonna give you fresh, fresh power. That's what this verse says. I love this right here. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. I love this. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall and be exhausted. I don't often talk about how old I am because I don't wanna freak you out, right? Like, our lead pastor is so young, okay? I would say that I'm a youth, <laughs> and I was in the hospital because I was fainting and growing weary. I don't care how young you are, you can't do this in your own might, in your own strength. You can't do what God's called you to do in your own strength. Kenzie's like, man, if pastoring in your 30s lands you in the hospital like this, I hate to see what happens when you're 60, right? Um, uh, Pastor Scott told me one day, he said, Kyle, I love that you get up and you preach without notes. That's amazing. Do it while you can. <laughs> Do it while you can. <laughs> so, so, like, I'm a young man. I'm getting worn out. I'm getting tired. Even youths will get tired. They will get weary. You will never be more youthful than God. Let me say that again. When we think of God, we tend to think of an old God. He's a timeless God, which means he is both the wisdom of an age-old sage, right? He is, he is, he is the, the, the everlasting, been there for millennia and eons and eons and eons, right? And at the same time, he's more youthful than you and I are. Our God is younger than the newborn baby that you're holding in terms of vitality and life and energy and that's who God is. Even youths will get tired and they will faint and be weary. Young men will be exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. This is where I kinda of wanna land the plane here today. The Bible does not say those who wait on the Lord, comma, the Lord will renew their strength. 
it says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. In other words, if I tap into waiting on God, hoping in God, trusting in God, that act of resting in God, that act of waiting on God, that act of, of, of being patient in the presence of God, that is me renewing my strength. It's not, it's not strength that just comes in naturally for me. It's as I get into God's presence, God's presence fills me up. So if you wanna get strong, if you wanna get strong in the Lord, if you wanna get renewed strength, you have to learn to wait on God. You know, when you lift weights, I've only done it a couple times in my life, but, um, but, but those couple times, when you lift weights, you do the exertion, right? And then when you're done, you've torn your muscle. It is torn to shreds. It's in the waiting process between, it's the rest where your body is rebuilding those muscles. And then when you come back to the gym the next day, your muscles are stronger not because of what you did in the gym, but because of the recovery between the sets. Are you tracking with me? You have to tear the muscle, but then your body starts to rebuild that in a stronger way. Then you do it again, then you do it again, then you do it again. Listen, life is gonna tear you whether you want to be torn or not. But if you don't wait on God, you will never have the recovery of strength. So life will tear you, but if you're not waiting on God, you're never being rebuilt. Prayer is the time where we say, God, I need to be rebuilt. I need to take care of myself like someone that I'm responsible for, you know, for taking care of. I need to make sure that I am getting into the presence of God because I cannot continue to be torn without the waiting on God to be rebuilt. So, when we wait on the Lord, we renew our strength. The Bible says we will, we will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not faint. We'll mount up on wings like eagles. I love that. This is a direct reference to Israel, who the Bible says in Exodus that Israel was saved out of Egypt like they were mounting up on eagles' wings. This is a direct reference. What is he saying here? He's saying God was faithful in the past and he will be faithful in the future. Anyone ever watch that Red Bull commercial, it'll give you wings, right? If you try to do this in your natural strength, you will get tired, you will wear out, you will grow weary, you will faint. If you do this with the presence of God in your life, waiting on the Lord, trusting in the Lord, you will have wings to soar above whatever it is that you're going through. You won't just run, up, you will run and not grow weary. You will walk and you will not faint. And God will give you wings to soar above whatever it is that you're going through in your life. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you're worn out, I'm not telling you to stop moving. I'm telling you to add waiting to the equation. I'm not telling you to stop moving. I'm not telling you to stop. I'm telling you, take a breath and learn how to wait on God. What does that mean, Kyle, waiting on God? There's a verse in 1 Peter. It says this. It says that you are a royal priesthood. Okay, you're a chosen people, you're a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood is two things. It's royal priesthood. Royal speaks to kings, queens, princes, uh, princesses, right? There's a royalty, there's a kingship on you, but there's also priests on you. And um, we are called to be both kings and priests. What does that mean? It means 
God's given us authority to rule, to reign, to lead, to develop, to, to create, to, to, uh, to govern. God's given us this ability. As a, as a husband, I am, to, I am to, uh, to, to do that for my family, right? To lead my family, to protect my family. There's a kingship on me. There's a royalty on me, but I am also a priest. And here's what happens when we have kings who are not priests. We do all the natural ruling and reigning, but we never stop to fill up on the presence of God. What is a priest? A priest's responsibility is to foster and develop and care for the presence of God. Everything a priest did, if you read through the Old Testament, they are creating an environment where God, I am hosting the presence of God. I'm hosting the presence of God for my city. I'm hosting the presence of God for my life. I'm hosting the presence of God for this country. I'm hosting the presence of God for my church. I'm hosting the presence of God for my family. I'm interceding on behalf of those who aren't doing this, right? That's what a priest is. What God has called you to be, yes, rule and reign. Yes, have the authority God's called you to. But man, if you're not doing the priestly responsibilities, of waiting on God and fostering the presence of God and developing the presence of God. If you're not doing that, you will walk and faint. You will run and grow weary. But those who learn to wait on the Lord, you will run and not grow weary. You will walk and you will not faint. You will mount up like wings, like eagles. That's what the Bible says. Now, as the church regains its strength from the last two years that we just had, I don't just mean our church, I mean the church, as we regain our strength, the enemies that thought they took the church down are panicking. Oh man, look at them, they're regaining strength. They're regaining strength. And then we move from the fear of our enemies into absolute guarantee of victory from God Almighty. The Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It will not prevail against the church. I am on a winning team. I, I'm, 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 watching, I'm watching this play out with, with, you know, remember when TiVo became a thing and you would, you would record the game so that you could skip the commercials, but then you would watch the game a little bit delayed and someone would come in and say, oh, this game was so good, so-and-so won. And you're like, why did you ruin the game for me, right? We know that we're on the winning team. The church is the winning team. We have absolute guarantee from God for victory but we have to learn how to wait on the Lord. Come on, I'm gonna pray a prayer over you. God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you, God, that you are creating our church to be a church of royal priesthood, that we, yes, we rule and reign, yes, we govern, yes, we, we lead our families and our jobs and our workplace and all that stuff, but God, you've called us also to be priests. God, where we're not just building you know, a, a kingdom or whatever, we're building the house of God the presence of God, the power of God. Help us to learn how to run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, to mount up on wings like eagles as we learn to wait upon the Lord, which will renew our strength. We thank you for victory today for all those who feel like they're in a tired place, a broken place, a worn out place. I thank you, God, that as they learn how to wait upon the Lord, to pray, to trust you, that you are gonna be their victory. You're gonna give them new strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said.